the supernatural as something that isn't supposed to happen, does it? AM 1420 WBSM presents Spooky South Coast with your hosts, Tim Weisberg and Matt Costner. That's right, we are back. Well, look at this. Nothing's changed since we've been here. New CD player in the spooky studio. I know, they spoil us. They do. But but we don't play CDs. I know. We don't need to because we're like beyond that capability technologically. We, we have MP3 technology. We're just sure. so advanced, you know. But at least the... Yeah, I mean, we're not, you know, we're not bad-mouthing the, the studio here. They're They're doing the best they can, but... They don't make the big bucks like Spooky South Coast. I don't know anybody who's played CDs in the last six months. Really? You don't know anybody that's played a CD? I don't think so, no. Maybe you. I don't think I have, to be honest with you. I don't think I've played this. The only time I've played a CD in the last six months is to load it into my computer to put it onto my iPod. Does it count if you uh, play a burned CD? I don't know. I I haven't even played one of those. I haven't burned a CD in like two yeah. years. I don't know anybody who listens to CDs anymore. Yeah, I think they're obsolete. Hmm. So that's probably why we got a new CD player. <laughs> probably on sale. Uh, is that Building 19? <laughs> don't disparage Building 19. It's a fine place. That's where half of our investigative equipment came from. <laughs> but we are Spooky South Coast. We are here Saturday nights to talk to you about the paranormal, or at least here this Saturday night. I don't know what it's going to be next Saturday night because the NBA playoffs start. And uh, we don't know what's going to happen. Do you think because I plugged Building 19, they'll give me a free cup of coffee? <laughs> I think so. If you go in, <laughs> let them know that you, you mentioned them on Spooky South Coast on WBSM, and uh, they will give you a free cup of coffee. Maybe even a box of Jerry's. As a matter of fact, anybody <laughs> out there that's listening to the sound of my voice, just go to your nearest Building 19, tell them Spooky South Coast sent me, and they said you would give me a free cup of coffee, and you will get a free cup of coffee. You just want that chicken that lays the eggs. <laughs> the, the one out front? Yeah. You drop a quarter in, and it's like. Yep. Anyway, and, okay. <laughs> we do we do talk about the paranormal here, and we will, we promise, eventually. But uh, as I was saying, uh, next week the NBA playoffs start, and of course we carry the soon-to-be world champion Boston Celtics here on WBSM. So they may move us around a little bit, depending on what the playoff schedule is going to be. Just stay tuned to SpookySouthCoast.com, and we'll keep you up to date with all that information uh, as we get it. But uh, what, what have we been doing for the last almost month, Matt? Have we been sitting of, on our butts at home? And a lot of slacking. Pretty much. Yep. I know you had a lot of work uh, to do with the whole investigator night at the Lizzie Borden house. Yes, we we put in a lot of effort so. and, and couldn't have done it without you yeah. and, and science advisor Matt Moniz, who's actually at Lizzie Borden's house right now. He decided that, uh, you know, with the month off, he wasn't really burning to get back in the studio, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. He's a busy guy. Yeah. So he he came back from uh, from he's, Ghost Rush out in so California. Wild. If only someone could tame him. And as soon as he came back, you know, and he was finally starting to catch up on sleep from that, we thrust him into an Lizzie Borden investigator's night. And now that he's trying to catch up on sleep from that, they get him back down there for Chris Moon's Ghost Hunters University. So, But they are doing something interesting down there tonight. I don't think we're going to be able to check in w- with Matt Moniz tonight because uh, – just the way they have everything structured over there and, and the timing of everything. 
but uh, they are doing an interesting uh, an interesting experimentation with uh, the telephone to the dead. So why don't we kind of set this up for people? Um, and we welcome anybody in that's a new listener. Thank you, Channel 10, for that outstanding uh, per, uh, that outstanding profile you did on the Lizzie Board and Bed and Breakfast. And we had a, enough of a brief mention of Spooky South Coast that our web hits went through the roof. So thank you to Channel 10 and to uh, Leslie, because uh, without her, you know, wouldn't, at least she took it seriously. You know, she, she made oh. sure that, you know, she didn't make a joke out of what we were doing. So. I was right. surprised, even though it was a little... The segment was a little uh, hokey, yeah. But that happens. That that's oh, yeah. going to happen. That's just, as long as, the, but as long as it isn't disparaging, yeah. I'm happy. But uh, while well, we were at this Lizzie Borden investigators' night, Matt Moniz brought a number of different investigative tools uh, to explain to people, you know, what it is that you can use in a paranormal investigation. And for a lot of people, they might not realize that the same tools that are used out in the field to hunt for ghosts. Uh, are the same things that you might find uh, at a Home Depot or at a Walmart. I mean, these are you know just common off-the-shelf devices. There's a few things that some of the guys like Taps have where you know we don't have access to that kind of stuff. We we don't have a thermal imaging camera because they cost ten thousand dollars. But there's so many little things that you can pick up that are adaptable to this field. Mm. And uh, we wanted a Frank's box, and I've been talking with Frank online for over six months now. Uh, and we're trying to get one from him mainly for another project that I'm working on with Matt Moniz and Chris Balzano. But, you know, we also want to be able to utilize one in investigations as well and make it accessible to those that we investigate with uh, who who want to experience one. So I've been talking to Frank, and, you know, without giving too much away, eventually hopefully something will work out. But he said, while we are waiting, why don't you check out this blog, ufogeek.com, and see what that what they're doing there. They're doing some really interesting things with, you know, cheap devices. And one mm-hmm. of the things that they have is a little, uh, I don't know if we can say, a little Radio Shack radio, 25 bucks right off the shelf. Mm-hmm. And all you have to do is open it up and make one simple modification, and you have essentially a Frank's box. And uh, there's a video posted on ufogeek.com that tells you exactly how to do it. And Matt Costa, mm-hmm. you were able to actually make that ad- adaptation. Well, I think it's a little... Uh a simplified version of it, but of the Frank's box, yeah. Essentially, mm-hmm. I mean, it does what the Frank's box does, which is uh, it scans radio frequencies for um, it, it locks the the radio into a scanning mode where it just uh, picks up these stray random frequencies, random broadcasts, and uh, mm-hmm. hopefully you get some sort of response to your questions. The, the theory is that the spirits can use those words that are floating out there so fast and grab what it needs to yeah. to get its point across. And we actually had the the device at Lizzie Borden Investigators Night and I think Matt you had just finished modifying it and maybe the day before. Yeah. Hadn't really had time to experiment with it too much. But and you know, we being who we are, we you know, we're not we're not advertising this, we're not you know, pushing this device as being anything. You know, we want people to make one for themselves and try it out and see what they get. Right. Um, but we're not, you know, trying to say that we're. I, I don't want to say anything that sounds like I'm coming across as flip. But we're not. We're not saying we're one of the only thirty that can use this device, as as uh, Thomas Edison has told Chris Moon and others mm-hmm. who have used the the quote unquote telephone of the dead. We think that if that's what this is, it's just a sweeping radio, and that this theory works, then anybody should be able to use it. And we put that to the test at the Lizzie Boyd Investigators Night. We just left it on the table and said, anybody that wants to use it, feel free. 
And uh, we had a couple of investigators who were able to get responses to questions with it. But uh, overall, it wasn't really that impressive. It just seemed to be like, you know, another possibility to maybe pick up something EVP-like. You know, just a quick little snippet. Uh, But then we undertook a different project this past week. Uh, We were part of the filming for an upcoming uh, television series out in the U.K. called Conversations with a Serial Killer. And without giving too much away, because we signed paperwork and everything that's, that said that you know, we have to wait for the show to air. And, and actually, one of the hosts of the show, uh, Bobby Marchesso, is going to join us here on Spooky South Coast right before the show airs in the fall. But we were basically using this device kind of the same way Chris Moon uses the telephone of the dead, kind of the same way others have used the boxes that they've created, where we just put it on a table in a supposedly haunted location and ask questions. And I thought we got some interesting responses out of it. I mean, nothing to make me fully believe that we were talking to to uh, the serial killer in question, yeah. but I, I think that there was something that was making some sort of attempt to make an intelligent response to us. I mean, when you take all... When you uh, take all those random frequencies that we're getting and you ask a question and then you get something that sounds like an answer right after it, um, what, are the, like, what are the chances of that, you think? I, I think that there's so many possibilities. Gonna, wh- I mean, what you're going to do is you're going to basically take a look at how many radio waves you can sweep in that particular area, how much of it is, is able to be pulled in in that location. And then you have to try to think of how many different words could be being said on those airwaves. And, and you know, we're talking possibilities in the billions. Yep. So for you to get the answer that you're looking for, I, I think yes-no questions are a cop-out with those type of devices mm-hmm. because there's a good chance if you're sweeping the dial, you're going to get a yes or a no somewhere. Uh, but when you can get direct responses, um, you know, for example, you know, we were looking for somebody whose name was Albert. And we'll we'll leave it at that. Mm-hmm. But uh, anybody who knows their Massachusetts serial killers, you can pretty much figure it out from there. So we're looking for somebody named Albert, and we got three times uh, on two different bands, I'm Al, or what sounded like I'm Al. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, that's a bit more of a direct response. Does it mean that we were talking to the Al that we were looking for? No, we could have been talking to anything. But it was, you know, perpetrating that was Al. We have a phone call here. Maybe it's somebody that can add a little bit here to this. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. How you doing? Um, hi. I hate to interrupt you. I'm just. Are you streaming on the computer? We should be. Okay, because me and a lot of my friends that were um, at the Lizzie Borden interview last week were listening, but none of us can get you coming through the computer. It should be. Uh, the only thing I can think of is because they had a game on. It's actually automatic, so it might okay, not have come back on. Okay, maybe they put it on yet. again for you guys. Yeah, you might have to. You might have to keep hitting refresh to see if it comes back on because we don't know how that operates. Uh, it's not anything we have access to here. All right, Tim. We'll keep trying. I can hear you on the phone. Anyway, that was exciting. Well, did did you enjoy the investigation? Uh, unbelievable. Have you been able to come up with any evidence uh, from when you were there? Well, I'll tell you, we haven't. Then the same since that night, it's like we can't get it out of our system. It's as if there's unfinished business. Well, I know that you were physically manipulated by spirits while you were there. Absolutely. But uh, in terms of pictures or anything like that, nothing's come up yet? 
I do have a few things in the pictures that I wanted to email you guys. Okay, well, you can email them to us at SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com. I'm going to get right on that. You can also, if you go to our website, SpookySouthCoast.com, you click on the forum, we've created a whole section there in the message board for uh, okay. evidence from that night. So Absolutely. And did any of the other teams come up with any stuff? There's some stuff on the website now. There's a few photos. There's some EVPs coming. And uh, eventually I will have all the video compiled from the seance, which was just wild. It was wild. And you were sitting right at that table, so I mean, in, in your opinion, was there any way that that was any kind of trickery? No way. No way. And I've, I've done them at Belcourt Castle. I've been around seances since I was small, and I've never seen anything like that. It was, uh, the table was, I mean, like a rocket. It just couldn't sit still. It was unbelievable. How, how's your finger healed up? But that was my friend. That was one of my friends. Okay. Her, her finger has healed up, but she still feels as though there's, messages that need to come through that house that haven't even been touched upon. Remember, you signed a waiver. So. I know we did. <laughs> <laughs> I made sure I, I keep reminded. I know we did, it. but there's a lot of secrets in that house. Well, there is, and, and uh, luckily we'll be able to get back in there. I talked to Leanne briefly, Leanne Wilbur, owner of the house, and uh, she was happy with the way the night went. Uh, there was no problems. Nobody uh, nobody made off with any brass platoons or anything, which, you know, <laughs> you got to keep an eye on Moniz. You never know. But, uh, they, and they, listen to this talk about paranormal. I'm talking to you on a dead cell phone with not even one bar that should have died five minutes before you even picked up. Well, maybe that's, instead of the cell phone to the dead, that's just a dead cell phone to us. <laughs> but it gets the job done. <laughs> Absolutely. But um, I think that there's a lot of things um, in that house that want to, you know, talk about things that no one else has even talked about yet. Yeah. I'm, I mean... Whatever's going on there, I think each time we go, uh, you know, we think that we get closer to the truth, but who knows? It's just playing with us. Right. Uh, it could be playing with us, but it could be, like you said, a lot deeper than even those Borden mysteries go. Yeah. Well, we'll keep finding out. We'll we'll definitely be back there for another one. And, of course, you know, we, we go in there a lot with our own private investigations, so, and we'll always make all of our evidence available to everyone. I'd, and I'd love to participate sometime. I should have been a little bit more active with my tarot. I, I would have loved to see what they would have wanted to say. So well, I mean, if you're ever going back, this is Grace. Let me know. Yeah, well, now you know. You know the layout of the house. You know what it's all about. So now next time you go there, you'll be able to take it to the next step. Absolutely. That's what Absolutely. we've been doing. And I've been talking to people about that as well. I'm going on a quiet night now. Yeah, and of course, you know, you can always get a room there that they're open uh, year-round. And, yep, uh, we did. They, we called tonight and talked to her about that as well. So there you go. And and we're going to put more of these together to make it more affordable for people as well. And as we that do more... That so great that you guys did that. Well, thank you. As, as we do more, you'll find they're, they're actually going to become less of a of an entertainment event and it'll become more of a serious investigation once That's people are... That's what it are, was, though. It really was. It was educational as well as networking. It really was. Well, we're glad that you enjoyed it. We're glad you could come and be part of the first one. And hopefully we'll see you again there. Thank you so much, Tim. Have a good night. You do the same. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And that was uh, Grace, who was one of the people who was there. And it was actually, that's right, it was her friend Cindy who, who had the issue with her finger, um, but uh, which was essentially a flying picture frame. Not saying that, you know, <laughs> it flew on its own, but when it flew, her finger got cut. So, yeah. But uh, I did feel a phantom hand hit my leg and knock it out of her hand. But, hey, we'll get into all of that when the video is up on YouTube. I know you don't believe any of it, but you went home, so I know. You, don't get to, I, you don't get to judge. I'm sad because I've, uh, I've never attended a seance before. But Well, I mean, we could have one here right now if you wanted could. to. But, well, a real uh, seance. With, uh, 
somebody as skilled as Liz. And she did a great so. job. I mean, at one point, uh, at one point, she got up because she was feeling ill, and uh, it takes a lot out of her. I mean, mm. you can. The first time we we did one with her, it took so much out of her. We tried to get her legs lifted uh, in the Knowlton room, and it took so much out of her that she actually got pulled over by the police on the way home because they thought she'd been drinking because she was just so woozy from having all of her energy drained. But uh, she was feeling ill during the seance last Sunday night, so she got up and excused herself to, uh, I guess, you know, be sick or whatever. And while she was gone, the table moved. Right. He, he did show me that on the uh, the raw video. So, I so, mean, for anybody that thinks it's out. it's the psychic's foot or anything like that, I mean, it wasn't her foot. Doesn't mean it wasn't somebody else's foot. Yeah. We're, we're going to analyze that video very closely. But, uh, I mean, at the very least, you know, you'll you'll see a shot of the table go 45 degrees and the picture frame that's in the middle of it not move. So it's just strange things. We'll yeah. just certainly strange phenomena. But that's why we did it. You know, we were very hesitant at first to include a seance in this investigation because we were afraid that uh, – you know, some people might say, seance, you know, that's crap. I'm a paranormal investigator. I don't believe in psychics. So we put it out there, and Liz was great about this. It's there for you to either believe in and experience and use as an investigative tool, or it's there for you to debunk. And we had people in the room that were trying to do both. So uh, we'll see what happens when everybody gets their footage up and gets their evidence up. And you can go to the forum at SpookySouthCoast.com and, and keep up with that. But uh, getting back to this... Uh, device that we were using, this ITC yeah. device that we were using, and the results that we were getting out of it. it, it it's an interesting tool. It's kind of like having a psychic with you on an investigation if you buy into what's being said, and it can lead you in the right direction. It can help you find phenomena that you can actually document. Uh, I would never suggest somebody you know, like deem a place haunted yeah. based just on what's coming out of this box, because for all we know, it could be some kid that picks you up with his you know, ham radio mm-hmm. down the street and decides to mess with you. Mm-hmm. But at least it can lead you in the right direction, which I think a, a good psychic can do on an investigation. I would never go by just what they say, but I would use them as a tool to try to find, you know, some phenomena. Yeah. Well, I mean, what are your over? I mean, you're the guy that basically built this thing for us. You're, you're the one that, and you're working on modifications to them. And yeah. what do you think about it? Well, I don't know. A lot of it could be a stretch, especially um, seeing as. When it for when it, I think if it does work, it should work right away. Mm-hmm. That because uh, I mean when we sit around it and usually it takes a couple minutes for us to start getting. I'm not sure if it's the just us trying to collect collective collectively like stretch what we're hearing and mm-hmm. adapt it to what our questions were. But um, well, I'll make uh, I'll make two points if I can cut yeah. you off. I'll make two points on that regard. One is I think that the reason why you don't get results when you first turn it on is because your ears have to get used to what's Mm -hmm. happening. I think that as we become more attuned to using it, we might find that we get more answers right away. Mm. You know, because I don't know about you, but it took me a good couple of minutes to really be able to hone in on what was being said. And even at times I did get lost in the jumble. Well, is it your ears trying to get accustomed to the, uh, the noise and filter out? filter out the noise and pick up the words or is it your mind kind of using it as like a like when you're staring at those 3d puzzles and it and turns waiting, into a schooner you wait a sailboat schooner is a sailboat <laughs> you know what there is no easter bunny <laughs> but 
Anyway, what I'm talking about, I'm not talking about getting used to, you know, finding answers. I'm getting used to being able to make out the individual words. Like, to me, it just sounds like a jumbled mess at first. And then as I hear it more, I'm like, okay, that's, you know, seven, that's red. You know, just being able to differentiate the words. Um, But that just might be how my mind works, too. Uh, The other reason why, and we'll get into the, the spiritual side a little bit here, is it's kind of like... You know, anybody that uses a Ouija board will tell you you don't get a result right away. Yeah. You know, anybody that tells you that when you're doing EVP work, you don't get a result as soon as you turn on the, the recorder. It's a matter of, you know, you have to let whatever's there know that you're there. Mm-hmm. They have to figure out what it is that you're doing. So if you're tuning this device on in, in a haunted location, you know, it's kind of, I, I think of it as kind of like a flashlight in the dark type of scenario, you know, for these spirits. Uh, and whether it's a psychic like our friend Rick Hayes or Liz or or Bobby, who we worked with Wednesday, or whether it's a device, some sort of portal where they can communicate with you, they're just seeing, you know, nothing, and then the light turns on. Yeah. And then they'll move toward that light and find out how to utilize that portal to interact with us. I mean, I'm not saying they're wandering around in the dark, but I'm just saying it's like, you know, all of a sudden it's right there for you to see. Also, there's uh, a, thing, uh, a thing Moni said the other day. Or when we were using it mm-hmm. the other day, he said, um, "Whatever is manipulating the the box, the also has to learn how to use it, just yeah. like we have to learn how to use it." Exactly. They so. get. They're probably hearing something like what we're hearing. Yeah. You know, they're hearing a jumbled mess that they're trying to make out. But also, they have to figure out how to utilize. You know, all we're doing is listening. They have to be the ones to figure out how to pick out the words and place them together in some semblance of an order. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, they might not want to answer us at all. So you might be listening for a long time and, you know, hearing nothing because it's not ready to communicate. And then at some point it decides. I mean, if you believe that these really are human entities, then, you mm-hmm. know, they're, they're just as fickle as we are. Or it could be alien. It could be. <laughs> there's been a number that's, of... That's why they were built, right? Yeah. But these devices yeah. have a long history of um, coming up with some phenomenal evidence, uh, right out to calling people by their full name. Uh, telling people full sentences about themselves, things that nobody broadcasting over the radio would know. Mm-hmm. It, you can't deny it. You were sitting there. We all heard it plain as day. It, it uh, used some words. Some profanity. That, were not, that yeah. would not be allowed on radio. And any time that that happens, which I've heard on both the, the telephone to the dead and this device, that just makes me think, okay, there's, it's not radio. Was, wasn't uh, Balzano who he heard um, Italian profanity? Yes. Which but he also said that that's something that is played on the be. radio. Okay. Yeah. So I forgot to ask him exactly what it was when we uh, when the cameras stopped rolling. But you know, we were sitting there too. And, and for for those of you who uh, do live in the UK, this show will premiere in September on the Living Network, the same network that Most Haunted is on. It's from the same production team that did uh, Dead Famous with Chris Fleming. But um, and it'll also be airing in the US after it airs in the UK. So there there will be a chance for everybody to see it. But. We were sitting around with, you know, a, a pretty skeptical host, Julie McDonald, and then of course Bobby, who is a psychic but is not one of these psychics that's so over the top. I mean, he's very grounded, very down to earth, and very quick to dismiss things that he doesn't get a feeling about. And we also had Jeff Belanger of Ghost Village and noted paranormal author and researcher, and of course Chris Balzano, who put the whole thing together. Mm-hmm. And these are two people whose opinions I trust immensely. So if they're telling me that they heard something. You know, I'm believing what they're saying. They're not going to, you know, 
pull me and string me along because they don't see any advantage in doing that. You know, Jeff would just as happily write an article on Ghost Village about how these devices are crap as much as he would write an article about, you know, how great they are because he wants to present the best accurate evidence he can about these devices. So uh, I definitely trust those two, and if they were, you know, hearing something, it doesn't mean that we were hearing, you know, something coming from who we thought we were hearing it from, but there was some sort of intelligence behind there trying to answer our questions. And we'll leave it at that. (laughs) Why don't we take a break? When we come back, we'll talk about some more ghost hunting equipment that's out there on the market, and we want to get your opinions on it. So paranormal investigators, get ready to start dialing. And, uh, of course, you can contact us at any time during the show at 508-996-0500, We also have reinstituted the live chat room on SpookySouthCoast.com. If you go to our website, the forum, the message board area, has been upgraded. The company that hosts our message board put a big new upgrade up there, and we've now got the live chat going again. So if you want to jump on there during the show and chat with other listeners, feel free. We can't access it because we don't have passwords to get on the computer here, but uh, you can certainly talk amongst yourselves and, and make fun of us and you know because we're not going to be able to read it, so you can say whatever you want. And uh, what, what we'll do is uh, you know, we'll have somebody in there spying on us and spying on you and writing down every disparaging thing you say about us, and then we'll send ghosts to your house to wreak havoc. Mm-hmm. Can we do that? Sure. All right. Or at least an email. Yeah, an email. Please stop talking crap about us. We just want to be liked by everyone. And a little bit later on tonight, we will talk about a new curse, a new baseball curse that's being put not on the Red Sox, who, you know, have been curse-free now for four years. Curse-free since 2004. Your Boston Red Sox. But uh, how about the Bronx Bombers instead, a curse on the Yankees? We will talk about that with Dan Gordon, co-author of Haunted Baseball, uh, and we will find out more about that a little bit later on in the program. So... For now, if you want to call in, 508-996-0500, We'll be right back with more here on Spooky South Coast. It blew books off shelves from 20 feet away and scared the socks off some poor librarian. Turn on all your lights, lock the doors, and pull down the shades. Spooky South Coast is back. This looks extraordinarily bad. <laughs> I don't know about you, Matt Costa, the silent assassin, but Bustin' makes me feel good. Did I even introduce us tonight? I'm so out of practice at this. I have no idea what I'm doing. This is Spooky South Coast, where we talk about the paranormal each and every Saturday night. I am Tim Weisberg. Across the table from me is the silent assassin, Matt Costa, who has to be not so silent tonight because science advisor Matt Moniz is out in the field in Fall River at the Lizzie Borden Bed and Breakfast. And uh, he's probably in probably asleep. I know. I think he's uh, face down in a box of cookies. Maybe. He did eat a lot of cookies the other night. They were good cookies, though. I don't. I don't blame him. I stole one. I don't. You, you missed I'll, the good. You only got the chocolate chip that were at the beginning of the night. Yeah. You missed the uh, the gingerbread later on in the night. Gingerbread were outstanding. Damn. Yeah. And of course, we thank all of our friends that that joined us there last night. Let's throw out some plugs, Matt. You want to do that? Sure. Can we throw plugs? Well, the, the person who called us earlier, Grace, she's from Providence Paranormal. They're a new group on the scene, so we welcome them into the spooky South Coast family. Uh, we were also joined by uh, the Crypto Paranormal Investigations group out of New York City, uh, Nick Smith and his investigators, and wow, did they have some equipment. 
they just kept pulling stuff out of bags that, you know, I, I couldn't believe. Just some of the stuff they had. I mean, they had they had the whole house wired with uh, with video, uh, infrared cameras. They had uh, the, the DVR unit upstairs, you know, with the four split cams like Tabs mm-hmm. uses. They had wireless audio. They had, you know, the digital audio that they took around with them. They had a suitcase full of video cameras, which was, you know, I was excited when I got one for my birthday, and they've got a suitcase of them. And uh, while we were upstairs in the Knowlton room trying to get our legs lifted, in addition to the numerous temperature gauges and EMF detectors that they had and all kinds of different devices on that end, they pulled out a parabolic microphone. I mean, they've just got all the tools. Yeah. So uh, Crypto Paranormal Investigations, you can definitely come back anytime because we want to play with some of those toys. But uh, all right, we have a call. Let's let's go to the phones. How you doing? You're on Spooky South Coast. Oh, hi. Uh, I don't know if I have the right number. Um, you guys were talking about, like, Paranormal yes. and the um, Beyond? Yep. Yes. Um, what I was wondering is if, if you really haven't, like, hit on... Lately I saw a, a thing on Stephen King... Okay. I mean, not Stephen King, um, Stephen Hawking. Okay. Yes, and he was talking about um, quantum physics and how bizarre it is. Mm-hmm. Now, what I want to say was that um, I, I personally don't believe too much in, like, the beyond. I mean, I, I like to think of Occam's razor, the simplest answer is the best. Yep. But when you get into, like, quantum physics and the whole quantum science field, you run into some very bizarre things that lead you to believe that there's a lot more out there than what you would imagine. And recently, Stephen King was talking about how there are different dimensions. Mm-hmm. And, possib- and he, I'm, I'm trying to quote him as close as I can. He said that there are probably dark universes in this uh, extra dimension, and possibly even dark people. Sure. And that just blew my mind, because, I mean, this is a man who, you know, he spent his whole life studying hard science, and we're not finding Occam's razor. We're not finding that simple answer. We're finding that things are very complicated. Well, it's, this has to send any thinking person on their head. It, it, it's not simple to us because we don't know it to be true yet. But once we do know it to be true, then it might turn out to be the simplest answer. You know what right. I'm saying? I can and, barely hear you, but... Well, I mean, it, it's a matter of, you know, circumnavigating the globe back in, uh, you know, 400 years ago didn't seem like it was a simple idea because they thought you would fall off the face of the earth. Once we right. learned that the earth was round, then it became simple. So I think as we learn more about this stuff, it'll become more simplified to us. But uh, in terms of the, the dark universe and the dark energies, that comes from dark matter. When they found that there's dark matter right. out there in space and they realized to the extent that it can go. And it's interesting that you talk about uh, quantum physics because a lot of what we talk about in paranormal investigation with, like you said, the great beyond, you know, the fact that what we're dealing with is the spirit of our dead Aunt Millie, who's coming back to give us a message. I, yeah, to some degree, that's been the case for a lot of things. But there's a whole school of thought out there that believes in the multiverse theory of paranormal investigation, which is all we're really experiencing is another dimension that runs parallel with ours at the same time, and we're just seeing brief little glimpses into that. We're mm. seeing little bits and pieces into their world, and so yeah. to us, they look like a ghost, and the same thing vice versa. You know, We look like a ghost to them. Yes. 
So, uh, I mean, does that, that doesn't account for a lot of the phenomena that we encounter, but that doesn't mean that we can, you know, put it aside. You know, so yeah. maybe these EVPs are somebody talking to us from another dimension. Maybe these spirits that people are seeing are actually from another dimension. And that's why, you know, they, they don't look like they're from our time because, you know, time in that dimension doesn't have to be the same as it is in this dimension. Right, right. Yes, I get you. So I, well, you know, I, I'm always like, I've always been like ready to put that whole concept to rest using Occam's theory and saying, hey, um, Occam's razor, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly, mm-hmm. um, and just saying that the simplest answer is, you know, that's the most common, that that's, you know, we're just making stuff up as we go along. But when you look at, like, even now they're getting into string theory. Mm-hmm. And string theory opens, like, incredible worlds. I mean, if we didn't already have enough with just quantum physics, where we have particles that um, appear and disappear, and they, they weave through... I mean, if you read Stephen King's... I mean, Stephen Hawking's, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. uh, Brief History of the World, there's all kinds of particles that appear one minute disappear i mean all this stuff has to like leave you with a sense of hey we probably really don't know how complicated it is i mean time is one of those things where when you when you talk about you know string theory especially when it's related to time you know we can't really say for sure that time is actually linear because it doesn't really actually exist Mm. You know, I mean, there's there's definitely motion of the Earth and motion around the Sun, and you know, but whether or not that that means it's it's a measurement for anything other than our own minds. Yeah. Uh, I just look back at I don't know if you ever watched the TV show Quantum Leap. Um, not no, I, I don't. I was, I was a big fan of that show when I was younger, and that propo- that used string theory as a way to uh, talk about how the scientists could travel around in time. And, and for those who are unfamiliar with it, it basically means that instead of everything going in a straight line like a long piece of string, it could all be balled up, right. which yeah, each, each point yeah. can can touch one another, and therefore, you know, time travel would be possible if you could get across them. And I think that's kind of what we're talking about with the multiverse theory. It's the same thing. It's all jumbled up and rubbing up against each other. Uh, yeah. And that could that could account for a lot of daily, you know, occurrences that happen to everybody that don't have to be paranormal phenomena. You know, when you think that you've been to a place before, but you haven't. When you have deja vu. Yeah. Uh, when you place something and you, you can't find where it went. You know, this, these are all things that, if there is this multiverse, oh, yeah. could all be part of that explanation. Oh, yes. After my, my parents died, I had many sensations that, you know, they were trying to communicate maybe... And, you know, I had to toss it up to thinking, hey, is this about, like, me trying to deal with the pain of losing a loved one? Or is this something from the other side? And what I do is I I always find myself going back to hard science, and I'm just amazed that quantum physics and all these different studies that are going on are leading us to believe that the universe, and well, I shouldn't even say universe, the cosmic continuance of life is just so much more complicated than any of us can imagine. Oh, absolutely. And it just throws me because, it, you know, I'm, I'm an Occam's razor kind of guy. I'm ready to say, hey, the lowest common denominator. It's always worked for me. It works in business. It works in math. It works in, you know, but the world seems to 
you know, there's things that we're not going to solve, you know. Well, unfortunately, a lot of what we talk about here on Spooky South Coast, the hard science hasn't really addressed yet. We'll actually have a story a little bit later on during our news segment, The Week in Weird, where we'll talk about an example where hard science is getting involved in the paranormal. But on this show, he's not here with us tonight because he's out in the field investigating, but we have an actual scientist who is part of our show and goes out and does these investigations. And it drives him crazy that his colleagues in hard science, they, they just won't look into the things that he's looking into. Uh, and mainly what it is is, unfortunately, there's no money in it. Yeah. You know, there's no grant money to be had. There's no continuing funding of research. So uh, right. to to follow this path is kind of frowned upon because, you know, what are you going to do with it? Um, but there is more and more scientific evidence that proves that there's something going on. Uh, what it takes for every person to believe is different for each person. You know, I might be able to show you a photograph and you say, okay, yep, goes to real. But you might need to actually experience something for yourself to realize that. And it yeah, sounds now, see, I've never seen anything as far as like ghosts or UFOs or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But I have known some people that I would bet my bank account on that these people are not going to lie. And they have seen some strange things, including I had a good friend that saw a ghost um, inside of his house on Sconaket Neck Avenue. Um, Right. Neck in Fairhaven. Right he, down from where we are now. Oh yes, yeah. He um he lived he lives down near Cape View, and what it was was that house used to be an old schoolhouse. Mm -hmm. And he told me one time he got up middle of the night, kind of half asleep, to go to the bathroom. Went up to the bathroom, and when he passed this room that was supposed to be empty, there was a glow coming from it, and there were children shooting marbles. That's very and, interesting. And they've also found plenty of marbles in the yards in that yard over the years because it used to be a schoolhouse. Mm -hmm. And he didn't know that at the time. I mean, when he told me this, um, I didn't know it at the time. And then we found out maybe about two years later that, hey, this used to be a schoolhouse, and that's why you guys keep digging up all these marbles in the yard. But he saw children... That look like, and what he what he told me that really freaked me out was that he said that they turned and looked at him, like amazed, like shocked, like uh oh, you caught us. Well, that's a little bit different now. Well, that could be like what we're talking about with the multiverse theory. But let me just, I'll give you a little bit of a breakdown here, and for those sure. people who are new to the program, you know, for them as well. Um, there's, there's basically, essentially, there's two kinds of, of hauntings that can happen that are what are considered to be a human haunt, uh, some, which means that it's not something, you know, demonic or, or negative or, or one of those type of, of haunts. But when it comes to a human haunting, there's two types. There's what's called a residual haunting, which is kind of like just a VCR tape playing over and over again. Uh, and there's also what's called an intelligent haunting. And when you first started describing that to me, it sounded like it was a residual haunting. All it was was the recorded energy of those kids. And if you've had kids, you know they give off a lot of extra energy. Yes. It's the energy is recorded and trapped in that house. And there's certain geological figures, certain uh, geographic figures. There's lots of different reasons why that energy can be trapped in that location. But that's basically all that it would be. It would just be the same thing happening. It was just an image that was recorded and trapped and, and, and printed on that location. But when you said that they actually turned to him and essentially acknowledged his presence, yeah. now you're talking about what's called an intelligent haunt. Where yeah, that's what freaked me out. I mean, that's what, that's what kind of like piqued my interest. 
because I, I, I wanted to keep asking him different questions. He didn't really want to talk about it. Sure. I mean, I mean this happened years ago, and I've known this guy for years, and I've, I've kind of badgered him a few times, you know, tell me the whole story, tell me everything. <laughs> and uh, the last thing he told me was that, yeah, they turned and they looked almost horrified that he had found them. They looked like they were caught. Mm-hmm. You know? And then he turned around and left the room, and I would have stayed there. <laughs> well, and, and some people, that's how they react. Some people, it's a fight-or-flight response. Some people just take right off, and some people yeah. want to stay and find out more. Um, but, yeah, that definitely sounds like it was intelligent because they acknowledged his presence and they interacted. But if we go back to the multiverse theory, could that have just been, you know, they're in another time and another dimension, and they look yeah. and they see a ghost that appears out of nowhere to them? You know, I mean, yeah. it, it depends on, you know, what, what it is that you believe, which path you tend to take. and uh, Well, that's, not to interrupt, but that's what I would think. I mean, my first thought would be that what you're seeing is some kind of a playback of something that happened years ago. It doesn't mean that those people or those entities are still alive and, mm-hmm. you know, thinking. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't mean that they're, you know, tortured souls right. that can't it's cross over. kind of like plugging in an old doors tape. It doesn't mean that Jim Morrison's still alive, although I can hear and almost see him. Exactly. Yeah. That's, a good, that's, that's well put. Um, now, think of the, also, getting back to some of those factors I talked about before, look at Sconnecat Neck. If I'm right, it's completely surrounded by water on both sides, right? Oh, yeah. So, what you are, and water is a good ionizer for paranormal activity. It helps, you know, charge up whatever's there and increase the likelihood that there can yeah. be phenomena. And then if you, I bet you if you go to this location and you check out some of the, uh, some of the ground around it, you might find there's a lot of quartz. Maybe there's fieldstone in the foundation, which has a lot of quartz in it. Quartz is essentially a recorder of energy. That's why we use it in our wristwatches. That's why uh, it, it keeps time for us because it records that energy. And it, it, I yeah. bet you'd find there's probably a lot of quartz in that location as well. So you've got kind of this perfect storm for there to be, you know, phenomenal recorded. Well, we we oh, thank yeah. you, we thank you for the call, and uh, hey. we're glad that uh, you called in and checked in. We hope more people can do the same, and hopefully we've given yeah. you some things you can think about and. Maybe hey, you'll actually get a, out there and a check fellow, out. A fellow, um, I former resident of Scona Connect. Hey, you guys are great. And <laughs> thank you thank very you much. Take my call, guys. Right, have a great night. Call back again. Oh, okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. How you doing? Hello. Tim. Yes. Yeah, I just wasn't sure if you or Matt had figured out why nobody can um, get the computers going. You'd be getting a lot more calls about the investigation. No, I'm, I'm going to guess that they just haven't been able to, they haven't turned it back on. Oh, well, right, so it's no good for tonight, then. I would think so, yeah. We'll have the we'll have the podcast up later on in the week. you got a lot of disappointed women over here in the state of Rhode Island. <laughs> uh, well, we leave disappointed women all across the USA. What can I say? <laughs> but I'm bummed. All right, well, we're sorry about that. Uh, I'm but... telling you, we're all like, uh... So we'll have to wait for the um, uh, podcast. Absolutely. We'll get it up nice and early for you. You think so? Like when you're thinking? Oh, um, probably tomorrow, Monday. All right. That's cool. All right. But we would have been calling in, so sorry if you're not here from some people. We were, we were going to try, but we'll try and catch you next Saturday. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, we don't have any control over that kind of thing, but maybe we should find out about it. Yeah. Put that on the list of the thousand things we need to find out from the station. <laughs> They're like, oh, yeah, you guys are on? Oh, we forgot about you guys. 
So I don't know. Maybe somebody is listening to the live stream. Maybe somebody else is hearing it, and maybe it's just something wrong with their computer. Give us a call, 508-996-0500, I was suppressing a, a belch there. Sorry. I know it sounded weird. I'm not really uh <laughs> so polished radio guy tonight, but... Uh, you know, de- definitely that that previous call that brought up some some interesting stuff that you know we we talk about here and there, but it, it's amazing the number of scientific theories that are out there that touch upon the paranormal, yet they won't acknowledge the idea of the paranormal. Matt, yeah. Uh, to you, what what sounds the most plausible to you? As far as residual and uh, well, I mean, do you think that there's more of a possibility that you know we have ghosts of deceased it- loved ones that are coming back, or are we seeing into another dimension? I would personally probably lean towards the uh, alternate dimension, mm-hmm. although as far-fetched as that may seem. But talk to, talking to loved ones beyond the grave is also a little far-fetched. But also, for, for myself anyway. isn't it the possibility, but, though? I mean, I'm not going to say it's not a possibility either way for either. So Couldn't it also be possible that there are another dimension where our loved ones are alive and where they would have conscious recollection of yeah. us and would therefore try to get in touch with us? I, is, so. I mean, just to blow the doors open a little bit here with only seven minutes left before the news, is it possible that heaven is just another dimension? Is it possible that it's just when you leave this plane of existence, you move to another one, and you've gained a little bit more knowledge than you have on this one, and therefore you can kind of open that window between the two? Who knows? I mean, it, there's there's so many questions, and unfortunately, I think paranormal investigators today have totally abandoned what a lot of investigators of a hundred years ago used to try to do. If you go back to the spiritualist movement and, and basically, you know, the idea of talking to spirits and, and communicating with people who have passed on, it goes back hundreds of years. Uh, but if you look at the spiritualist movement of the mid-1800s, you know, they were actually asking spirits questions, asking them where they were, what it was like, you know, trying to find out what was going on. And all we're trying to do, at least for the most part, what we see in paranormal investigation today, is they're not really asking those questions. They just want to really document that it's there, and they want to ask, you know, how did you die? You know, do you know who killed you? Uh, do you know that you're dead? You know, those type of questions. And, and once they can make that connection on a scientific level and say, okay, now we can get these repeat results, we can get these answers all the time. Maybe it's a telephone to the dead that does that type of thing. But then they can start to extrapolate on that and ask some of those deeper questions. Well, where are you? What's it like? How did you get there? Have you gained any knowledge? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these type of questions that were being asked in the 1800s are being answered with knocks. You know, basically they had a number of knocks for each letter of the alphabet, and they'd sit there and spell out these long sentences. Now we can actually hear the spirits' voices through better electronic devices, through, even through mediums. You know, if you want to utilize a medium for this purpose. So now what you're creating is the chance to actually find out some of these answers, but nobody's really asking those questions. Let's go to the phones. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. How are you doing? Hey, how are you doing? All right. Um, This is Cindy. How are you? All right. Um, I'm just calling in because uh, we were there last week. My friend had called in a little while ago. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to kind of explain some of my uh, experiences that we experienced last week. We got about five minutes before the news, but uh, certainly you can share... uh, what your experiences were, and and I remember now it was you that had the finger that got cut. Yeah, yep. Healing that nicely, I hope. Little neosporin and a band-aid takes I care know, of right? Yep. But all, all, all healed. And you especially were uh, were manipulated by some of the spirits oh, yeah, more, more than anybody because you were throwing stuff across the room. 
Absolutely, yeah. And actually, it, it didn't even really feel like um, it was any of the boards, more like kids playing, now that I really look back at it. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it felt heavy on my arms, and then my legs were swinging, you know, kind of like what kids do. And and that room is notorious for having right. uh, child spirits Absolutely. And the throwing, you know, it's more of kids, you know, throwing things more than, I would say, the boardens who are really, you know, if they really wanted the contact, there would be more adult things that would be going, you know. Well, it's funny because somebody in the room said, you know, when you were throwing the things off the bed, and basically, Matt, because you weren't there and for the audience, she was laying on the bed, she was trying to get her legs lifted, and her hand was grasping objects that were on the bed and just tossing them. And uh, one of the other investigators that was there said, you know, well, that's not really a, a verifiable phenomena. Sure, they, you know, they believe that it's happening to you, but it's not something that you convince other people because, you know, it just looks to them like you're picking up something and throwing it. Right. And I said, I'm pretty sure she wouldn't be picking up somebody's $200 digital camera and chucking that across the room if she right. had control of it when there's water bottles and flashlights nearby that would probably be less damage. <laughs> but the also you also guys did the EVPs on me where the where the um or when the temperature went down too. Remember when you were calling it out, go down to seventy, go down to sixty five. Yeah, and we it, and we were able to manipulate get it to manipulate the temperature, even right. though. So I mean, if there wasn't anything there, I mean, if I was purposely doing it, you know, you wouldn't have got those readings. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Especially where there was it was odd because as you got closer to the body, where you'd expect to get more heat coming off, we'd get sharper drops in temperature. So, uh, so your theory on uh, Lizzie Borden's house that it's definitely haunted? Oh, absolutely, and, and there's actually even more. You know that we probably didn't even experience that night. You know because it was so crowded and so mm-hmm. busy and stuff that if we probably went there and when it was like hardly anybody in there, I bet you we would have probably have gotten more feed. You know, feedback from what we saw, especially you know what got me too is that really got me. But you know, even the table, you know what I'm saying, like was just all pissed off and stuff. Yeah, I mean, it was really flying around there. And, yeah, right. And they've actually, I haven't seen it myself, but I've had other people who have participated in the seance there say they've actually seen the table pick up. Right, right. No, I, air, I so. didn't see that, but it was definitely spinning, and it definitely... Well, that table's not going to do anything anymore. That table's right, had right. it. Right, uh, right. Not only did it break, did the spirits break a table as soon as she brought one table in, but this one kind of shattered during the oh, course wow. of the seance, so... It's uh, they need a sturdier table. Would you ever notice how sp- psychics that do seances they never have sturdy tables? Right. <laughs> <laughs> There's probably a reason for that, but uh, we're not going to get into all that. But it was definitely uh, an eye-opening experience for a lot of people. Now you guys are a new group just starting out, right? We are, we are. We, but um, she's got a lot of experience, and I have a lot of experience with sure. things just happening. You know, like um, like I started off when we first entered the building, we're really cold, and then you know, um, as the night went on, you know, just seeing different things, but. Um, then uh, once we got into the seance, now things were starting to happen then to me where the table was hitting me and then, mm-hmm. you know, on the bed, you know, those freaky things happening. But once that once that was over, you know, I walked out of the room and I sat down. It was like, you know, I was like a, like a dazed type of thing. And, and uh, that's the one thing that I try to tell people to be careful of is when it starts interacting with you at that house, it does drain a lot of your energy. Right. And you might not really feel, you know, yourself for a while. But uh, you, know, you guys were obviously affecting it because Grace uh, and yourself both emailed me a couple of days later and said you still hadn't quite recovered. So. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, we are coming up on the news. So we're going to have to let you go. But thank okay. you for checking in. And uh, hopefully we will see you at future investigations. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. That is Cindy, uh, who, along with her friend Grace and, and Laurie and some other people, are all part of Providence Paranormal, a new group out there. So you might want to check them out if you are in the Rhode Island area and need an investigation. And they're very good investigators. They also had some sensitivity and some psychic abilities. So you can run the whole gamut there uh, utilizing them. 
And of course, we recommend all the fine investigators we had at the Lizzie Borden Investigators Night. We will be back in just a few moments after the news with our own segment, The Week in Weird. And then later on, we will talk to Dan Gordon, co-author of Haunted Baseball, about the brand new curse on the Yankees. Boo, hiss. We'll be right back here on Spooky South Coast. Lost civilizations, extraterrestrials, myths and monsters, missing persons, magic and witchcraft, unexplained phenomena. For 58 years, Fate has provided true reports of the strange and unknown. Fate is a factual magazine containing articles by experts in all walks of life and by others just like you who have had something dynamic, significant, and truthful to say. Keep up with the latest on all aspects of the paranormal. Angels and miracles, psychic phenomena, ghosts, UFOs, and much, much more. To subscribe, call now at 1-800-728-2730 or visit their website at fatemag.com. That's 1-800-728-2730 or www.fatemag.com. What are you waiting for? Your fate awaits. I see you shiver with anticipation. Welcome back, hour number two of Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa. Matt Moniz, science advisor, is out in the field. What do you think, Matt? Do you think uh, think the Red Sox are going to win it all this year? I hope they do. Because you bought furniture? I did. Uh, somebody actually called into another radio station and said, if the Bruins get swept, do, they, do I get my furniture free? <laughs> so, I don't know, you might want to try to claim that one, but... Hey, we got the Red Sox-Yankees rivalry in full swing going on this weekend, and we will check in later on with Dan Gordon, co-author of Haunted Baseball, about a new curse that may be befalling the Bronx Bombers. But right now we want to let you know, well, first thing what I want to do is I I did mention Providence Paranormal before the end of the first hour, uh, joining us on that Lizzie Borden Investigators Night, but let me mention some of the other groups that were there as well, just so we can make sure that uh, we let people know about them and get them a little plug out there as well. We had Mike and Tammy of South Shore Ghost Hunters and Demonology. We also had uh, Heidi, who is part of the new group that she's starting up, PRISM. Uh, I believe it's Paranormal Research and Investigation of Southern Massachusetts. Uh, she was there as well with her friends from Wailing City Ghosts. And uh, it's just it was a great group of people, a great group of investigators. I think it worked out well. We'll definitely be doing more in the future. If your group would like to get involved with a Lizzie Borden Investigators Night or some of the other investigators' nights we have planned at other locations coming up in the future. Don't don't want to say any yet because we haven't really 
done anything with them yet, but we plan on it. Uh, you can just email me, tim at spookysouthcoast.com. You can get a hold of us on MySpace, myspace.com slash, slash spookysouthcoast. And uh, we will keep you up to date. Maybe we'll come up with like a mailing list or something so that we can keep people in the know when we decide to do these. Also, one other thing we want you to know about coming up next weekend, the X-Conference 2008 is happening from April 18th through the 20th at the Hilton Gaithersburg near Washington, D.C. You can book your rooms now at the Hilton. Call 301-977-8900. They have a special room rate of $89, single or double. Which yeah. means, Macos, that if you and Matt Moniz want to go down there and split a room, you can pay like 45 bucks each a night. And just oh. let them know when you book the room that it's uh, for the X-Conference 2008. I'll bring my earplugs. <laughs> As everybody at Lizzie's will find out tonight. But uh, there are special conference rates uh, available also from the 14th through the 23rd because, you know, there's just going to be a whole slew of activities going on. But uh, they're even going to have a special uh, appearance by George Norrie who is the host of Coast to Coast AM, the I, number one late-night talk show in America. i heard of that guy before. Yeah, he was going to be on the show at one point. Mm. Uh, he's also going to give a short keynote address at the X-Conference as well. It'll be hosted by Cheryl Jones, television journalist and former CNN news anchor, as well as Stephen Bassett, the executive producer uh, and panel moderator. He is the founder of the Paradigm Research Group, who is uh, putting together the X-Conference. Also speaking, and the main keynote address will be Dr. Edgar Mitchell, former NASA astronaut, uh, as well as Paul Hellyer, who is the former Canadian defense minister, who talked about his country's uh, cover-up of UFO activities. John Alexander, Ph.D., Grant Cameron, who we had on the show talking about presidential UFO sightings and who will be back with us uh, a little bit later on in the campaign season. Uh, Laurel Kitan, uh, who made the documentary Touched. Uh, Rich Dolan, who used to be on Sci-Fi Investigates when that show was around, but uh, he's also known as a UFO researcher for many years. Uh, Grant, I'm sorry, uh, Robert, uh, a manager, Terry Hansen, Angelina Joyner, who is the writer who was following the Stephenville Lights case, uh, who was let go from her newspaper. Uh, Dr. C.B. Scott Jones, uh, Dr. Lynn Katai, who made the documentary on the Phoenix Lights. Uh, Joyce Labuti, who made the documentary Odyssey, as well as Dr. Bruce Maccabee, Dr. Jesse Marcel Jr., the son of the uh, first witness of the Roswell crash. We had him on the show back in July for the Roswell uh, anniversary. Also, Rob Simone, uh, Thomas Vallone, Ph.D., and from Canada, Mike Bird and Victor Vigiani. So a uh, huge slate. Uh, I think Moniz might be going down to that one as well. Um, but if you want to check it out, you can go to the paradigmresearchgroup.org. Check out their website, paradigmresearchgroup.org, and you can find out more. There's a little link there to the X Conference. We highly recommend it. If anybody goes, feel free to call in next week uh, if we are here, depending on the NBA playoff schedule and how the Celtics go. But uh, that that sounds like it's going to be a great time. Yeah. So uh, now it's time to get weird. More bad news. Well, I got a great show for you today, but it's a wonderful news. Oh, it's tough. Yeah, got to be Dr. Jason Braithwaite from the Behavioral Brain Sciences Center at Birmingham, Birmingham University has devoted many years to investigating apparent hauntings. And with the aid of so-called ghost hunters, he's been able to solicit the help and support of many volunteers. 
most of these, of course, were only too keen to assist with Dr. Braithwaite's project, because as we talked earlier in the show, there's not a lot of hard scientists that are willing to get involved in this. And they went to a, a location known as the Rum Story, which is known for its haunting. And uh, Dr. Braithwaite said, We are studying a case of an apparent haunting in the field, so to speak. So we're trying to take the laboratory and our research methods into the very environments where strange experiences are reported. I am interested in factors relating to the individual, the environment, and the interaction between the in- individual and the environment. Not all locations have a reputation for being haunted. Psychologically speaking, it is interesting to ask why that is and what factors predispose people to think that the rum story is haunted. And Dr. Braithwaite was also uh, happy to share some of the results found, such as uh, certain experiences cluster in certain sorts of spaces in the location. Haunt reports are more likely in rooms that are darker, colder, contain more suggestive furnishings, whatever that means. Is that like a couch that's half-stripped? <laughs> contain drafts and sources of ambiguous sensations like noises. People who go to the rum store and report strange experiences, the big question is why? How would science explain these experiences, and how can we test that explanation? Which, this is something that I've been talking about with Matt Moniz uh, for a number of years now, is because we can't recreate hunting phenomena in laboratory environments, why don't we move the laboratories to haunted locations? And he's a big proponent of that as well. And, you know, our theory is that essentially that's what we're doing each time we go out into the field and we investigate with some of these tools. So you know, maybe we can actually get a full-fledged laboratory set up going and, and maybe that'll be enough to, to start uh, convince people. So uh, kudos to Dr. Braithwaite. Uh, he says he is currently testing a few ideas that have been revealed from earlier investigations and they're going to try to come up with some hard science factors involved in these investigations. There's going to be a haunted laboratory somewhere. There has to be. I mean, the, the this haunted hospitals, haunted jails. Yeah. How come there's no haunted scientific laboratory? Or, or how about like a, a haunted, I don't know, college, more like you know that they can actually investigate it. All these stuffy college types that always denounce the paranormal on those sci-fi and History Channel documentaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, Who knows? Anyway, from the BBC News, archaeologists carrying out an excavation at Stonehenge say they have broken through to a layer that may finally explain why the site was built. The team has reached sockets that once held bluestones, most now missing or uprooted which formed the original uh, the site's original structure. The researchers believe that the bluestones could reveal that Stonehenge was once a place of healing. The dig is, is the first to take place in more than 40 years. The team has now the team needs now needs to extract organic material from these holes to date when the stones were first arrived. Professor Tim Darville of the Bourne University, who is, who is leading the work with Professor Geoff Wainwright. I know his name is Jeff, but I like Geoff better. <laughs> well, he's British. Well, maybe it is Geoff. Is. Is that maybe. Really oh. Geoff. President of the Society of Antiquarians said, The first week has gone really well in... We have broken through to these key features. It's a slow process, but at the moment, everything is going exactly to plan. For professors Darville and Wainwright said that finding out more more about the history of the Bluestones can be key to solving why the 4,500-year-old 40, landmark was erected. They believe the Bluestones, which were transported 150 miles from the Purcelli Hills in Wales to the Salisbury Plain in Wiltshire, were brought to the site because the ancient people believed they had healing properties. 
As well as reaching the bluestone sockets, the archaeologists have also unearthed a whole host of other finds as they peel back layers of the 8 foot by 11 foot trench. The two week excavation is being funded by the BBC and filmed for a special time watch program to be broadcast in the fall. Excellent. So. Did I ever tell you my theory on Stonehenge of how it was built? No. I'm sure that this has all been blown out of the water because I've watched numerous, numerous documentaries where they explain how they were built, but. Uh, when I was younger and I was trying to figure out how they got those heavy stones piled on the other heavy stones, mm-hmm. my theory was that there used to be a hill there. What they did is they dug some trenches, deep trenches, and they dropped the giant stones down there, and then they laid the other stones across the top, and then they dug out the hills around them. That's a good theory. It was a good theory. I was happy with that. It worked for me for many years. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, that's a lot of work. Yeah. It's probably a lot easier to pile stones on top of one another than it is to dig out an entire hill. Yeah. But, hey... There was a great special that I watched. Uh, I forget what it was, but it was on the History Channel where it explained like all the different sites like that, Stonehenge yeah. and Woodhenge, and how they all like interact with each other and they all like serve different purposes. So, mm. just leads me to believe that without TV, without radio, without video games, people were a hell of a lot smarter 4,500 years ago. <laughs> and they had more gumption. Yeah. So, so there you go. Was it 4,500 or 450? Uh, 4,500. Yeah. See, there you go. Because if it was 450 years ago, I would have just blamed it on, yeah. I don't know, the plague. <laughs> they didn't have nothing else going on. So. All right, well, our last story comes from the New York Post. The new Yankee Stadium may be cursed. A devilish Boston fan working on a concrete crew at the $1.3 billion stadium covertly buried a Red Sox t-shirt under what will become the visiting team's locker room to jinx the Yanks, two construction workers told the New York Post. In August, a Red Sox t-shirt was poured in a slab in the visitor's clubhouse. It's the curse of the Yankees, one worker said. Nobody knows about it. It's in the floors. It's buried. The workers say they now fear that they unwittingly helped hex their beloved Bronx Bombers. I don't want to be responsible for sinking the franchise, said a second worker who witnessed the sabotage. I respect the stadium. The Post has withheld their identities because they are not authorized to speak to the media. This latest text is above and beyond any typical ritual, like wearing a lucky shirt or hat that fans typically do to boost their luck. It sounds a little unprecedented to me, said Tim Wiles, director of research at the National Baseball Hall of Fame and Museum in Cooperstown. I guess if the Yankees go 86 years in the new ballpark without a win, we'll know if we are on to something, he said, referring to Boston's previous infamous losing streak after they sold Babe Ruth. If I was a Yankees fan, that is my house. I don't want a Red Sox t-shirt under my house, he added. Chris Wirtz, co-owner of the Red Sox bar, Professor Tom's in East Village, laughed at the un- ingenuity of the worker. I won't be surprised if in, in the least bit to see that the visiting locker room torn up and relayed right away, he said. This is what makes the game special for baseball fans. It's not a mean thing, but something something they will take seriously. Red Sox fans, he said, will see the buried garment as a good luck charm, especially after years of seeing the retired numbers of four legendary, legendary players displayed in Fenway Park. It has long displayed nine for Ted Williams, four for Joe Cronin, one for Bobby Doerr, and eight for Carl Yastrzemski, which comes out to 9-4-18 the day before the World Series that resulted in the last Red Sox championship until 2004. So uh, why don't we jump right into this uh, with Dan Gordon, co-author of Haunted Baseball, along with Mickey Bradley, who we are not going to talk to tonight because he's a Yankees fan. We're in the middle of a heated series here. Good evening, Dan. How you doing? Good, how are you, Tim? All right. You, you can tell Mickey we were just kidding. We like to have fun at his expense. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, he's, he's used to it. <laughs> so now you were you were quoted in this New York Post story, both you and Mickey, uh, because of course your book Haunted Baseball deals with a number of curses that are around baseball. What do you think of this latest one? Well, I, I, it's definitely uh, you know f- fascinating that uh, you know this uh, guy attracted so much attention just by <laughs> by one act of uh, of you know hatred against the Yankees. You know, like many of us kind of envy him, <laughs> you know, Red Sox fans. Um, it- yeah, especially he actually put a big poppy shirt underneath, um, you know, too. So that's an extra thing because the uh, Yankees were supposed to, uh, you know, had been talking about signing Big Poppy, and actually mm-hmm. they they turned it down. You know, they decided to stick with their guys and <laughs> paid the price. So. Well, there, there's a, I guess the way the story goes, if I remember correctly, was that uh, uh, George Steinbrenner wanted to get David Ortiz and Brian Cashman didn't. And so uh, that was kind of a point of contention for them uh, after David Ortiz came to the Red Sox and became Big Poppy. Exactly, yeah. It's pretty amazing, yeah. The interesting thing about it, though, is, is that uh, there was actually uh Yankee Stadium. There was something buried there in 1922 by a subcontractor. Mm-hmm. And um, it's recorded in the notes and the accounting records of white construction that built Yankee Stadium and um it's not known what was buried, but he—he's—it's he, uh, recorded that he threw something into the water main pit, and he did it for to wish to confer luck on the team. And the, the year that the Yankees o- opened it, you know, at the stadium, they—they they won their first World Series ever, went on to win 25. So it could be argued that, yeah. you know, that that you know maybe that was the, you know the, the real curse, not the curse of the Bambino, the cause. For the Sox, um, you know, to take so long, but you know, now that they're moving over there, maybe it's finally some justice, and uh, you know, we're already seeing that maybe in advance. But yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's it's always fun to have these type of stories, and, and of course, right. you know, these guys, again, they're not being allowed to talk to the media, so that helps fuel speculation of what's going on. Do you think that they really did do this? Did they document this? Did they take pictures of them pouring the T-shirt and uh, pouring the foundation over the T-shirt? Or is this just kind of one of those stories that might just be popping up as, as urban legend? Oh, actually, the, yeah, the, in, in today's uh, New York Post, they actually had pictures, um, okay. kind of a follow-up article, and they had pictures of, of, you know, he took pictures with his cell phone. And, you know, the reason the whole story broke, actually, you know, he was going to keep it to himself. But uh, two of his coworkers, actually, you know, Yankees fans, actually saw him do it. They were down there. This guy's a mason, you know, and he's making, um, you know, he's making like eighty-eight bucks an hour. But he hated the Yankees, and, and, of course, and uh, he didn't—he didn't even want to take the job, you know. And and he did, but yeah, you know, there's photos in today's post, and and uh, the Yankees originally like were saying that it was just a, you know, there's a, 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 a post story, the post story from the Yankees. Yesterday was just uh, April Fool's story. Ten mm-hmm. days later, but now they're backtracking and saying, uh, "Oh, it's real, but it doesn't matter. Oh, you know, we're going to win anyway." Blah blah blah. You know, the typical well, Steinbrenner brother. You know, I was going to say, so. you've seen how Hank Steinbrenner is kind of following in the footsteps of his father. I mean, he's a fiery guy too. Uh, do you think that what this Chris Wirtz, uh, the, the bar owner, is uh, suggesting? Do you think maybe they will rip up the the visitors' clubhouse and start over? <laughs> it wouldn't surprise I don't know. me. They, well, they don't know where it is, and this guy's saying. This guy's quoted as saying that he, you know, the Steinbrenners don't have enough money to to tell, <laughs> tell to make me tell you where it actually is. He's actually quoted as saying that. So, you know, so it sounds like he, you know, he's giving away that it's in the visitors' clubhouse. He he's going as far as to say that it's along the third base line, you know, close to the third base line in, in the clubhouse. Um, but you know, the 
pictures. I don't know whether they can tell enough from these photos to actually <laughs> locate it. So it's interesting. Now, the Post actually brought uh, a Wiccan priest to Yankee Stadium uh, yesterday. You know, they're really playing up the fact that they had an exclusive on it. So they brought this woman, Bonnie Thompson, into the park, and, and she supposedly cast a spell to, you know, to get rid of the, the curse. So. Yeah, it just all adds it. Then she stomped on the on a Red Sox jersey. So, you know, it's all. <laughs> yeah. well, you and I talked uh, last fall. We talked about the possibility of getting into some of these stadiums and, and doing paranormal investigation. And I think, you know, this story from from my perspective is great because you know, here's the the Yankees kind of being forced to you know, address that situation. So maybe they might be willing, you know, further on down the line to let some sort of investigation go on in the old location. You know, maybe we can do a twofer deal. Hey, you let us in and investigate the old stadium, and we'll get somebody down here to break the curse on the new one. <laughs> if we really want to help the Yankees out, then. <laughs> well, I don't, but I just, I'd, lo I'd love to document some of the uh, reported oh, yeah, hauntings yeah, going absolutely. on. Absolutely, yeah. It would be amazing to, you know, record you know, what's actually there and what players claim to see there, you know, because there are, there are so many stories there. It's pretty now, amazing. There's, uh, th there's other stadiums that have rumored to have been cursed uh, in the past as well, uh, not just franchises but actual stadiums like uh, the Texas Rangers old stadium and, and uh, the, Tampa, the Tampa Rays, sorry, I almost said Devil Rays, uh, they actually built their stadium over a cemetery? Yeah, yeah, it was actually over three cemeteries, um, most put, put one, but one, two of them were actually moved, um, the Evergreen and the Moffat cemeteries, and those are really old historical cemeteries. The third one was kind of, was kind of the lower class cemetery, it's called the Oakland Cemetery, and mm -hmm. it contained, there was some, un, you know, people that, you know, like homeless people, people who, you know, that some just unmarked grave, you know, graves without names, that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, there's no record of it actually being moved, and that, when they were building I-275 to go down, you know, which, uh, like, back in the late 70s, I believe, uh, they dug up some leg bones and arm bones. And uh, when they were building uh, the ballpark, there was actually some controversy that, you know, you know, you better stop and check out, you know, where these graves are. And, you know, one of the, uh, one of the city foremen said, oh, you, know, doesn't, you know, doesn't matter, we're just paving over a parking lot, we're not digging in deep. So, you know, that... And, you know, Devil Rays, yeah, yeah they've uh, been finished ninth, last place nine over the last ten years, something like that. And, you know, they've just had horrible I, teams. I think a $40 million payroll has more to do with that than any kind of curse. But Yeah, yeah, that's... And, and plus, there's there's some people that will say, if you're going to build a stadium in Tampa, you can't help but build it over a cemetery, because most people think Florida's a cemetery in waiting anyway. <laughs> yeah, God's waiting room, they call it, right? That's... <laughs> Uh, no offense to our Florida fans and listeners. I'm I'm sorry, Aunt, to my uncle. But uh, there's, I mean, obviously baseball, and we've talked about this in the past. But baseball is definitely the most superstitious of, of all the professional sports. I think uh, so many guys have their routines, and they have you know what it is that you know they take with them to the plate or to the mound each time. And I think that now that you're seeing that reflected in the fans to the point where you know this this guy could theoretically you know. I mean, obviously he's union, so he's protected. But just, I mean, he's going to get a lot of ridicule on the job and a lot of grief for for doing what he did. So the fact that a fans willing to to go to that extent, you know, just shows that now these superstitions are, are playing into the fan base as well. Yeah, I think any Red Sox, you know, diehard Red Sox fan who had the job held in Yankee Stadium might have tried to pull something. But I mean, you know, it's just 
you know, likewise, I'm sure, you know, a Yankees fan working on, you know, renovations at Fenway, you know, it's just, you know, too tempting not to, I suppose. But, yeah, there's just, you know, fans are just as superstitious as players. You know, I I definitely was growing up. And, and you know, there's just always the feeling in the game that there's karma and that things can change, on a, you know, in a moment and, and, you know, that just bizarre things happen in the game. And, you know, people look to the paranormal sometimes to try to explain it. And, you know, whether it's, it's players or fans, there's just a lot of, you know, belief that, you know, not everything that goes on on the field is in the hands of the players themselves. See, I, I don't know if you're aware, but uh, actually there's a writer who writes for the for the Boston Herald. I'm sure you know him, uh, Jeff Horrigan. Sure. Uh, his brother, John Horrigan, is the organizer of the Mass Monster Mash conference, and, you know, he's a, a very big uh, investigator sure. and researcher of the paranormal. So I'm just expecting that tomorrow there's going to be like a, a Jeff Horrigan pen story or, or somebody at the Herald's going to write a story about how when they were doing the recent renovations on Fenway Park, there was a Yankees fan that tried to do something similar. You know, oh, you will, I didn't tell you guys what I did last summer, you know, last winter, so. Yeah. Yeah, eventually it's yeah you know the, it's the rivalry so you know you know there's, there's always something that surfaces on the other side. And, and, uh, and as long as they keep you know doing fierce battle with one another, then you know these type of stories will just keep popping up, and it, it's great I think because you know for everybody that believes in in the curse of the Bambino, which you know again we'd probably just sold another book for Dan Shaughnessy, but everybody that talks about the curse of the Bambino now they can talk about the curse of the Big Poppy T-shirt. Exactly. So, yeah. I mean, you could argue already that the Yankees are cursed. I mean, they've it's gone since uh, uh, 2000 since they last won, and and you know they've had some really amazing teams. You know, so it, it's hard to you know it's easy. A curse is just so easy to you know to happen. And you know the the curse of the Bambino, Dan Shaughnessy is kind of the you know pretty much the uh, one of the, the founder of that curse. I mean, he's not the first. A couple of years earlier, a couple of writers talked about. Uh, the idea of a curse of the bamboo, but before then, you know, there wasn't nobody really espoused that theory. At least not, it wasn't talked about in the media, so it really didn't become part of the public uh, consciousness until Shaughnessy did that. And, and you know, now it just took a life of its own. And you know, everyone people went crazy. They started looking for Babe Ruth's piano and and all that kind of you know crazy stuff that we did. You know, so. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Brian Cashman and Joe Girardi are out diving for that piano right now, <laughs> just just to be on the safe side. Yeah, we're tra- throwing another one in the, <laughs> yeah, what, in the pond. Yeah, whatever works. I I think you know the, the curse for the Yankees for these last eight years has been more of you know abandoning that homegrown talent that they were so well known for when they were dominating in the '90s and just signing free agents and you know making those last ditch efforts to to try to bring in these overpriced guys that didn't produce. And that's right, more yeah, that's more of a curse than anything, but yeah, I mean, and you know, it always seemed that the team that was playing against them had more fire, you know, and yeah, definitely they've, you know, they lost guys like you know, even some of the players that weren't homegrown, like guys like Paul O'Neill, and mm-hmm. you know, that they just brought in, you know, some, they didn't really have the fire under them, and you know, Alex Rodriguez, you know, for as great as he is during the season, certainly, you know, hasn't been a fiery guy in the playoffs. Well, I heard, you know, sometimes I'm up early and I'm listening to, to overnight sports talk radio, and and I actually heard somebody propose a theory once that uh, actually Alex Rodriguez was cursed because they, <laughs> yeah, were, they, yeah. they were trying to claim that he sold his soul to the devil, and the, the deal that he made was he would be the best baseball player on earth, but in exchange he would never win a championship, and he was all right with that. 
So that, uh, that's what the guy was trying to say. And, of course, you know, being late night talk radio, the host was like, oh, that's a great theory. That's got to be what it is. We'll ask <laughs> A-Rod about it. He'll own up to it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it could be argued. It's funny because, like, you know, curses sometimes predate the uh, the origins. For instance, the uh, the goat curse with the cubs, you know, is the police, cubs, you know, the uh, gentleman who, the tavern keeper who brought in uh, a goat to the, in, in the night. And then after that, they didn't win a World Series after, after he was ejected and fully put a curse on the team. But the Cubs actually have, are about to celebrate their 100th anniversary of not winning a World Series. Um, so, you know, although they hadn't been to the World Series after the Tavern Keeper, the, the, uh, the, the curse goes much back, back much further. So mm-hmm. some people say it's the curse of Fred Merkel, where the Cubs, uh, uh, second base, actually, I think he was second baseman, but he, he, uh, held up, he, uh, it was a hit a trick where he didn't run out a play and didn't run to second base and and actually uh, I'm sorry I'm getting the facts wrong he's with the Giants and he didn't run to second base um, after a game-winning hit and mm-hmm. the Cubs the game actually ended up being called and and uh, the Cubs went on to win that World Series and that was the last time they won so just some you know there's just a lot of odd theories and. You, I mean, it's it's such a superstitious sport that there's so many different ways these stories can go, and you know, it, it does add that extra dimension of fun. But I just hope that you know, when, when it comes down to it, the players aren't thinking about it. You know, I, I know that you know, in 2004, we heard all the talk of the players saying, "Oh, there's no curse. We knew there was no curse." But ask the players that played for the you know, 86 years before that what they thought. Ask the guys who got so close, and ask the people. And I'm not going to mention Bill Buckner because you know, was. Everybody knows, you know, he he that wasn't the final out of the World Series, you know. That, but everybody that watched that, you know, probably chalked it up to, oh well, we're cursed. You know, they they say they didn't, but it's it's a lot easier to go with that when it's there in front of you than to say, oh, we just didn't have enough to get it done. Yeah, we interviewed a lot of guys in the Red Sox, and and a lot of guys claim that they didn't really think that team was cursed and it was just bad teams, but. You know, Todd Jones actually mentioned that in 2003 in the ALCS in Game 7 that when they were, just before the guys took the field, uh, you know, a couple guys joked, well, I hope I don't pull a Bill Buckner tonight. And, you know, they were joking, you know, Todd said, but, you know, just to, you know, if they're joking, that means they're thinking about it. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's something that's always in the back of players' minds. And, you know, some curses are more than others players do believe in definitely a curse in anaheim injury curse so a lot of players didn't believe in that and they just had some bizarre injuries over there over mm-hmm. the years now uh the, did you get a chance to talk to buckner at all for the first book or no he's hard to reach yeah because he might be a little bit more accessible now that he's been forgiven and he's back into red sox nation so yeah uh, absolutely at, yeah you guys, talk to guy the guys about um, yeah are you guys still working on the sequel Oh, we are. We are, definitely, yeah. And um, hopefully they'll come out next year. And we're actually um, kind of been working on a possible TV series, which wow. uh, would be on Fox Sports Network. It's still uh, still negotiating, so it's not, you know, a sign on, it's not a signed deal, but it looks like it might happen. Kind of like a doc, like a couple-part documentary, or? Uh, actually, it'll be a, a, a series, a weekly series. Wow. Yeah, the profile is, it won't just be baseball, but it'll be haunted sports in general. Well, hey, if you need a sports writer who deals in the paranormal, I'm your man. Okay, sure. <laughs> bring bring together my two areas of expertise, and I'll help you out the best I can. Sure, sure. 
All right, well, definitely keep us abreast of the second book and what's going on, and we'd love to have you and Mickey back and you know rub it more in Mickey's face when the Red Sox win another couple championships before that comes out. Sure, maybe Viva David on Big Poppy's shirt. Oh, yeah, I'm going to go out and get one now and bury it in my backyard. (laughs) (laughs) All right, thank you very much, Dan. Okay, thanks, Dan. Thanks. Dan Gordon, author of Haunted Baseball, co-author along with Mickey Bradley. And you can pick that up now. It's in stores, and it's available on Amazon.com and all those other websites. That reminds me, Matt, something that I wanted to tell everybody out there in the spooky South Coast listening audience. I will tell them this important message right after we take our final break of the evening. Does that sound good to you? Sounds good to me. All right, let's pay some bills. We'll be right back on the other side here on Spooky South Coast. Turn on all your lights, lock the doors, and pull down the shades. Spooky South Coast is back. And we are back, at least for this week. We'll see what happens next week. Stay tuned to SpookySouthCoast.com, and we'll keep you up to date with whether or not we're going to be on the air. We're going to be bumped for... Uh, the Celtics, but basically the way the schedule shapes out sports-wise is the Red Sox uh, will be on. There's very, there, I don't think there's any 10 o'clock Red Sox games this year. I think there's one or two 9 o'clock games, but we should be here after the Red Sox every Saturday night all summer long. Uh, the only question is now with the Boston Celtics in the playoffs is we're going to have to kind of work around their schedule. So if there's a Saturday night Celtics game, uh, we're probably not going to be on. If there's a Saturday afternoon Celtics game, well, then there's a good chance that we're going to be on. So uh, as long as I can get back from Boston in time. So just uh, stay tuned to both the Celtics schedule and to SpookySouthCoast.com. We'll make it real easy for you. We'll put it right up there on the front page of the site, and then you will know. And uh, the one other thing that I wanted to talk to everybody about is uh, we, we don't really have our hands out for a lot of things here, do we, Matt? No, not usually. No, I mean, we, we've just started to get into these uh, events but, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, we're going to be happy to break even. You know, we're kind of yeah. just happy we can get people into these locations right. and get them. Somebody like a Jeff Belanger who gave a great presentation. People walked out of that room saying that alone was worth the price of admission. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's all we were trying to do. We're not we're not trying to really profit off this. But, you know, you and I, we, we spend a lot of money, and Matt Moniz spend a lot of our own money getting this show going. Uh, a lot of people don't realize we're technically an independent entity of WBSM, so we don't have, you know, their – their vast wealth behind us, and we're we're working on our own with a lot of this stuff, you know. So the podcasting that we pay for, the website, you know, the T-shirts, the bumper stickers that we give out to anybody that says they want a bumper sticker, you know, th- this is all stuff that comes out of our pockets. So you know, we need to try to come up with a way to um, break even. Same thing as mm-hmm. we're doing with Investigators Night. So one of the things that we've been able to do through the help of our friend Tim Banal, who redesigned our website is we now have an Amazon store up on SpookySouthCoast.com where if you are looking for books in the paranormal field or DVDs or ghost hunting equipment or any of that kind of stuff, you know, we have links to it up there. You can click right on the store link, click, uh, what's it, Spooky Merchandise or Spooky? Yep. Yep, you know, books and DVDs and all that kind of stuff. You can click right on there, and pretty much every book from all of our guests that we've ever had here on Spooky South Coast, you'll find them up there, as well as, you know, video cameras, mini DV tapes, uh, IR lights, EMF detectors, temperature mm-hmm. gauges, every, everything that you could possibly need, uh, whether it be to learn about the paranormal or to investigate the paranormal, is all up there. 
and they're the Amazon.com prices, which everybody goes to Amazon because they give you phenomenal uh. rates and phenomenal discounts on things. And these are the actual Amazon prices. They haven't been, you know, upped in any way. They haven't been altered. We're not charging a premium or anything. It's just a direct link to purchasing these things on Amazon. But when you buy them, we make a very small percentage of that back. Uh, whatever money that you spend, we get a very tiny, tiny cut of it. Uh, and what we can do is we can utilize that money to cover some of the costs that we incur. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like we're, you know, we've got our hands out and that we're begging, but really we're not. We're just asking that if, you know, you're going to buy some of the books of our great guests, and we highly recommend that you do, if you're going to order them online, please order them through our website so that, you know, we can get that, that little bit of a rub off of it. And if there's something that you want to order off Amazon and it's not on our store, email us. Spooky Crew at SpookySouthCoast.com. Give us a day or so to add it on there, and then you can order it through there, and you can help support Spooky South Coast. I feel more comfortable asking people to help support what we do that way than I would be if I said, go to our website, click the PayPal link, make a donation. You know, click, you know, go to our website, and here's the address, send us a check. Although if you want to send us a check, email us, <laughs> Spooky Crew at SpookySouthCoast.com, and we'll, we'll accept it. But... I just think that that's more of a, a partnership with our listeners. You know, that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to form a, a partnership with our fans or with our listeners and, and help them, you know, learn more and, and investigate more and be able to accomplish all these things. And this way here it kind of gives back. And we can keep being, you know, whatever tool we are in – well, we are a couple of tools. <laughs> you know, whatever tool we are in the way that you learn or experience the paranormal. So, I mean uh, – and- I still feel like I'm begging. I still feel that way, but I just think it's it's a, it's a good way to support what it is that we do. And and don't forget, you know, aside from just uh, what we do here on the radio, uh, we also do go out into the field, especially Matt Moniz. You know, we need to buy him plane tickets so he can fly all over the world to go to numerous <laughs> conferences and everything. But, you know, we're able to, you know, keep buying the equipment that we buy. And if, if, if we don't have to pay for the website for a month, you know, then we can use that money to buy a piece of equipment, maybe or something. So you know, it, yeah. it all works out. Or put towards uh, getting a guest for another another event. Another yeah. event. And and we've got so many people that want to come and and be a part of these events, but you know, unfortunately, because of the way their schedules are, and you know, they they right. can't just do it for free. Gas money. Yeah. And Gas th- money alone was half of uh, the Landers. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> half of his probably went. Yeah, and he only lives like forty minutes right. away. So, and, and speaking of Jeff Blanchard, we're actually going to have him here in a couple of weeks for a very special episode. We've got to finalize what date we can actually make sure we can do it. But uh, this is crazy. I, I don't know if you've heard, but his latest book, uh, Weird Massachusetts, it's already out in the stores. Is it? Yes. Which Jeff didn't even know. You know like really? he, he was surprised at how quickly it's come out. It's already out there, and it's ready for you to buy. And it's available for you to order off Amazon.com through SpookySouthCoast.com. But you can get the book. It's out there. But we're going to have Jeff coming here into the spooky studio in a couple of Because I told him, I said, you can't go into Beyond Reality Radio and hang out with Jason and Grant in the studio and not come in and do Spooky South Coast. <laughs> we're, we're like 25 minutes closer than they yeah. are. So uh, he's agreed to come into the studio, and we're going to do a whole episode on Weird Massachusetts, the new book that's out there. So if you want to get the book now and start reading about it so you'll have questions to call in for Jeff for that night, definitely do it. SpookySouthCoast.com. Click on the store. Find Weird Massachusetts that way. So, one thing about that I like about that store too is Amazon is so vast. Mm -hmm. There's so many things on Amazon that if you go to our site and you go click on our Amazon store, there's a lot of things that people might not have thought of. 
mm-hmm. as far as like things to do with the uh, the paranormal. You know, there's I mean we have a various number of Jeff Belanger books, various number of Chris Balzano books, especially on the fir- the first page of it. But <laughs> uh, but I mean you some people might not have they it might have got overlooked if they just went to Amazon.com sure. and typed in paranormal. You know. Yeah, you're going to get 500 Brad yeah. Steiger books or Rosemary Ellen Guiley books or you know, some of these n- numerous books that have been out there for a number of years, and you're not getting the, the fresh take yeah. on things. So it's kind of a concentrated little thing. And it's, it's just part of, you know, if you hear Jeff and you hear Chris and what they have to say or any of the guests that we've had, Brad, Rosemary, any of them, and, you know, you want to find out more, then there you go. You know that you can relate what it is that you heard on the show to what you can read in their books. Yep. Uh, one other thing that's on the website, which is interesting, and, and I'm going to have to pick one of these up eventually, but it's a new device that's being put out by Amazon. It's called Kindle. And what it is, it's this electronic device. It's basically like, remember the e-books that were coming out a couple of years ago uh, and uh, uh, you know the e-book readers? It's a small version of that. And essentially, you're just going to put stuff into that device, and you can take it with you anywhere you go. It's like an iPod for reading. Okay. And uh, they are now for sale on, uh, we have them on our Spooky South Coast Amazon store. And uh, I, we highly recommend you pick them up. I mean, they're, they're what, $399? Yep. And what you can do is you can subscribe. So this is pocket change. Yeah, sure. <laughs> for, for people in this field who yeah. already are spending every dime they have oh. on gas just to get to investigations. Oh. But, I mean, for somebody that's, that's savvy enough to want to take this information with them wherever they go, you can buy the Kindle. You can buy the Kindle version of, you know, the world's most haunted places, Jeff's Jeff's smash bestseller or you know the encyclopedia of haunted places yeah, you can get any of these books that are available on the kindle plug them right in there and then it's a resource guide that you can take with you when you're out in the field you don't have to carry these books with you yep. so the kindle's what like two pounds or something i don't even think it's that much no no i think it's lighter yeah. than an ipod i'm not sure i'd have to check but I say belanger's last book was Jeff's books are, yeah, well over <laughs> two pounds. They're usually pretty hefty. And he carries a big bucket with him to so, him for every event, yeah. so, yeah. Maybe what we'll do is when Jeff's here, we'll, we'll have him sell copies of the book here while he's here and sign yeah. them for people. And That's we'll just stick idea. him at a table outside and make him sign <laughs> books. Who knows? Well, we got about ten minutes left here, Matt Costa. And while we are talking about the paranormal, which is what we talk about here on Spooky South Coast, there's one device that I want to get your opinion on. And it's something that's not really related to paranormal investigating. But I think that if it becomes available on the mass market, aside from ruining every single marriage of anybody that buys one of these devices, I think it could be valuable, too, for paranormal investigation. And it was uh, a story on MSNBC.com was talking about the new anti-terror weapon, a handheld lie detector. U.S. troops in Afghanistan are the first to get this new device, which flashes red when somebody's lying. So basically, it's just like an EMF detector. You hold it in your hand, except it works just like a lie detector. And I didn't read the story enough to tell you exactly how it works, but you know that's the idea. It's a handheld lie detector. How can we utilize this in the paranormal field? Well, I guess it would be good when um, an investigator goes to initially research a, a household does the initial interview when they're asking the the base questions how long has this been going on are you on any medications stuff like that just to rule out if this is really haunting or not that might actually be like a a good tool for mm-hmm. them to kind of weed out the phonies and weed out the people who say maybe just want to be on TV or a radio show or something and they just make up yeah i mean that's like that, so 
and that's exactly I say go with it. that's exactly what my thought is. But it also eliminates the, um, you know, the the belief factor too in a lot of things when you're mm-hmm. investigating and somebody says, you know, I, I, I something just touched my hand. And do they think that something just touched their hand, or do they think that there's the possibility something touched their hand that it could have just been a spider or a breeze? So if you can actually, you know, put them to that test, you can see how sure they are of what it is that they felt. Because, you know, I can tell you probably more paranormal groups have probably encountered more investigators who have joined up with them, uh, fudging evidence or overreacting to things or over over um what's the word i'm looking for yeah over dramatizing yeah. evidence you know it, they probably encounter that more than they do people who are you know just trying to get an investigation because they want to feel special yeah so you know you can utilize that device you can also use it on your investigators in general to find out what kind of people they are to begin with you're part of That's your true. interview process i don't think that this is something that would ever be made available to the public just because it would be like tossing a grenade you know, into a crowded building. It's just you're, you're going to set something yeah. off with it, but uh, it would be interesting to see if it can be used in the field. I'm just wondering how accurate it is. I mean, I know the U- United States government is using it, but, I mean, lie detectors aren't 100% anyway. Except for the one they have on the, the Fox hit Fox show. Yes. What's, what's the name of that show? Moment of Truth. Moment of Truth. No, that one's the, 100% accurate, the, right? Yeah. The worst show ever. <laughs> That's only because your your relationship got broken up because of <laughs> things that were said on that show. But uh, but I just think that you know if like like I said I don't think it would ever become available. But if it did and it could get utilized, I'd be really interested in seeing the results of what happened. I mean, will we see you know reports of phenomena drop? Will we see believability in the paranormal mm-hmm. rise? I don't know. Even if uh, I mean, not just. When they deal with hauntings, you could use it in UFO research. You could use it in mm-hmm. pretty much anything. Now, are you sure that what you saw wasn't an airplane? I'm 100% uh, sure that what I saw wasn't an airplane. Beep. No, you're not. You know. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's it's just something. Oh, would it, would it also just make people so skeptical of everything that they're being told that they might dismiss what's being said? Yeah. That's a possibility as well. So I, I just like to use it so that when I say to you, you know, Matt, do you have that 20 bucks you owe me? Beep. Yes, you do. <laughs> Give it to me. But uh, you know, maybe we'll find out. Maybe one of these troops can uh, can let us know. You know, when they come back from Afghanistan, some of their experiences with with this device, and let us know what they think. So we, we do we do know some inside contact. We do. In the, so in Afghanistan, um, close by. Okay. So so maybe are we talking about cousin Willie? Yes. All right. Maybe we can have him swipe us one. Willie enough said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look up Willie Roberge. <laughs> Nuff said, and you'll see exactly what we're talking about. Little shout out to Willie if he's listening to us over there. So uh, that's pretty much this show for this week. Unless you have anything else you want to add. Overall, I think it didn't go too bad for being our first time that's on true. the bicycle after a month. Yep. You know, it's like, <laughs> I guess maybe I thought the, the the long break would refresh us and get us ready to come out yeah. and do our best show ever. But we're pros. Yeah. We're pros at this. Yeah, we pretty much, we mail it in anyway. So <laughs> anytime we try, it's it's bound to be better than it usually oh, is. Yeah. So, but uh, anyway, that's uh, that's what we have for you tonight. We'll be back hopefully next week or definitely in the weeks coming ahead. Stay tuned to SpookySouthCoast.com because we, we got to start putting more uh, podcast only shows out there, Matt. If we're not going to be on the air because. 
the uh, number of emails I got from people asking what happened to us, were you yeah. canceled? And I'm sure the phones were ringing off the hook here at WBSM, trying to find out what happened to us. So but there's nobody here at 10 o'clock. So yeah, at 10 o'clock at night, yeah, nobody's answering the phones. I was trying to call earlier to find out, you know, if the Red Sox were on or the Celtics, and I couldn't even get through. The phone lines were so jammed. Yeah. So uh, with people asking, you know, Spooky South Coast going to be on tonight? That's true. So I think that, uh, you know, we definitely got to do more podcast-only shows. We've got a number of people who are lined up to come on the show in the coming weeks, the coming months. But we always want to get suggestions from you. So if there's something that we haven't covered that you want to hear us talk more about, you can give us a call uh, here on Saturday nights and, and talk with us about it then. Or you can email us, spookycrew at spookysouthcoast.com. Mm-hmm. You can send us a MySpace message, myspace myspace.com slash spookysouthcoast. You can go into the forum on the message board there and on the website, SpookySouthCoast.com, and talk to us about it and just let us know. I mean, there's there's so much more that we could cover. There's so many more people that we need to talk to. And we just take it one week at a time, and we try and do the best show that we can for you. At least well, I try to. I don't know what you're doing over there. <laughs> you don't even have the drops. You don't even have the, know. Uh, you know, the announcer telling us that we're back. I don't know where it went. Well, now you're going to have to record all new ones. <laughs> So uh, what do you think? Want to call it a show? Let's wrap it up. All right. Well, then you know what to do. Hit the music? No. What are you going to say? Oh. Stay spectacular. There you go. <laughs> so for, for Matt Costa, for Matt Moniz, who's out in the field somewhere, for Dan Gordon for joining us, we want you all to. Now you can say it, Matt. Stay spectacular. Rest assured, listener, that my time here has not been easy, and what you have just heard was not fiction. Although, in many a desperate moment, I most certainly wish it had been. It's over for now, it seems. Or at least, until yesterday begins again. Tomorrow, tomorrow. supernatural is something